Turn up the radio and sing along. It's time for another great song. This is the Great Song Podcast. Season's greetings and welcome once again to the Great Song Podcast. I'm Rob Alley. I am JP Motor. And we're here to celebrate the greatest songs in modern music history. We're going to tell you what makes them great. Why we think they're awesome, and why you should too. JP, how you doing today, man? Man, I'm doing fantastic. I feel like a nice helping of three large eggs, beaten with onions, chopped, Worcestershire sauce, salt, black pepper, and low-sodium ketchup divided, also known as... <laughs> Meatloaf. Meatloaf. Freaking uh, meatloaf. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Guess what we're covering this week, guys. Oh, my gosh. I was not ready for that. Uh, I had to look it up right before the uh, recipe for meatloaf. <laughs> I, I preheated it 375, obviously. Wow. You guys know we go epic for season openers and season finales. So I can think of hardly anything ever more epic than I'd do anything for love, but I won't do that by meatloaf. Now listen, this is man-sized meatloaf Goodness right here. Gracious, like yeah. this is not extra helping. Yeah, one bite is not, you know what I mean, digestible of this uh-huh. meatloaf. You got to take it little bits at a time. So we're going to just hit some sections. Like literally, normally we play through like the first verse and a chorus of a song, but this song is like 12 minutes long, uh-huh. and that would take like four minutes to get through just the first verse and chorus. So let's, why don't we just start with a recognizable part? Pick okay. a part. Pick okay. a part. Something right. that they'll know. I'll hit the, I'll hit the first chorus. Okay. Right. Sounds like the a plan. First refrain. Yeah, come on. Listen, bass players, you ain't got to play that fifth string all the time. Take it up high. Hit the verse. Some days it don't come easy, and some days it don't come hard. Some days it don't come at all. Some nights you're breathing fire And some nights you're caught in ice Some nights you're like nothing I've ever seen before Will again Maybe I'm crazy Oh, it's crazy and it's true I know you can save me No one else can save me now but you As long as the Dude, come You're on. Welcome. Wait, hit it. Woo! That's so live. You know what I mean? Like, take the vow and seal Yeah. Okay, listen. With that, that's already so like that's still just the beginning of the song. We're still <laughs> establishing the song. That's four and a half minutes in that we just stopped. Okay, that's we skipped a whole oh, lot man. to and be able to just get to the first verse and chorus. Yeah. Oh, man. Please, if you're listening, I know most of y'all listen to us in different settings, some in the car, 
some at home, some in the bathroom. If you get a second, listen to this in headphones. Yeah. It's very important. And we'll talk about why as we move through. Yeah. We start from the beginning with the guitar and stuff. And listen that moves. to it loud. Man, let's turn it up. Rob's yeah. like, we were, he's like, is that too loud for you? And I'm like, no. <laughs> no, I want my ears to bleed. Come on, turn up the radio and, and sing, sing along. along. I mean, come yeah, on. That's right. Uh, it, this song is like, like there's songs that are epic because they're long. You know what I mean? And, and and this is definitely that. I mean, it's it's twelve minutes, um, but it's also got this quality that is. I mean, it it is very much. It feels like a musical. You know what I mean? Some it feels song, like a song. Yeah, some songs are long and they feel long. This song is long and you want more. Yeah, it's, it's like, like let's do that again. Let's keep it going. Rewind that. Yeah, that could have easily been twenty four minutes. Yeah, and yeah, it's, it's so true. It really is. And uh, and there's really a reason that this song feels that way, and that reason has a name, and okay. that name is Jim Steinman. Okay, and we're going to talk some more about Jim Steinman uh, uh, here in a little bit. This is by Meatloaf, uh, featuring Lorraine Crosby. Definitely more on that later. Uh, from the 1993 album Bat Out of Hell 2, Back Into Hell, uh, and it is written by Jim Steinman. Interesting partnership between Meatloaf and Jim Steinman, and it's been on again, off again over the years. Um, but uh, all the songs on this album, and really all of Meatloaf's hits, were written by Jim Steinman. It's not a... It's not a um, Elton John Bernie Taupin relationship where one is writing music and one is writing, one is writing words. It's Meatloaf is the performer. Yeah, he Jim Simon's writing the song. Yes, take it and you make it. And and, and Jim and and uh, yeah, Meatloaf is the vehicle through which the songs Mr. get Loaf. delivered. Right? That's right, Mr. Loaf, sir. Thank you, sir. Um, and so, uh, and and Steinman has put out his own music. He's put out his own albums and on which he sang lead vocals. And but there's once you recognize the Jim Steinman sound then you begin to notice it in other songs of his that you didn't know. You know what I mean? You start to go, oh, of course he wrote that. You know what I mean? When you start you start reading the list of songs that he's mm-hmm. written, you go, oh, of course that's him. Like, absolutely. We'll talk about some of those. Oh, yeah. I um, got a doozy tie-in. Okay. So let's talk about some charts and awards real quick. This was number one on the Billboard Hot 100. Boy, was it number one. This was number one in 28 countries. Like this song was a juggernaut. Kind of like us, huge all over the world, all over the world, worldwide. Philippines, we see you. Juggernaut, Manila, what up? Uh, um, top selling single of the year in the UK for sure, and I think maybe in the US, but I didn't verify that. Uh, but I think in ninety three, what I read could have been wrong. But um, certified platinum or better in seven countries, it earned Meatloaf a Grammy in nineteen ninety four for best solo rock vocal performance. His only win and his only nomination ever for this song. Um, number forty on the Billboard Hot one hundred chart. Listen to this. This was for the entire decade of the nineteen nineties, according to Billboard. This was number forty. Like if this is one of the this is one of the top forty songs of the entire decade of the nineteen ninety, according to Billboard. Um, however, despite this, it does not appear on the Billboard All Time Six Hundred list. Wow, how's that? I mean, I mean, was nineties? It was not one of the big, was nineties. Was the nineties not a big year? I, it just seems like it would. Play, I mean, it's we're talking about six hundred chart positions. That's a lot, and it didn't make it. But you know what? You know what? Though I guess it shouldn't. I mean, it's no, it's no pony time by Chubby Checker. <laughs> 
it's not smack that by Akon or bent by Matchbox 20. Oh my God. What the heck is this chart about? Oh no. What the heck is this chart about? We all see, those songs are on the Billboard you, all time. Bob Thomas doing Come it, on. Yes, making the list. Right, yes, the Billboard 600 all time by Bob Thomas. <laughs> is that your cousin Rob? <laughs> Come on. I do. What the heck is this chart about? Who is doing this? Who are these people? <laughs> I don't understand. I like. I don't understand that chart. One day, this is I, epic enough to close our season. Yeah, and we only pick the biggest Come songs on. ever, and then we pick. We go bigger for the closer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You should so, make the 600. Anyway, I mean, this is number one in 28 countries. I don't understand why it's not. William Board, we are not a fan of no, you, right? No, William now. Board, you can, no, forget it. You owe us an explanation. <laughs> one day. We'll get you on the podcast. That's right. We're going to give me William Board now. Um, if anybody's got any connections at Billboard, we need to know. Um, that being said, truly, this is one of the most enjoyable songs of my lifetime. I, like, it, it covers every emotion. It's rock and roll in all its glory. It's vulnerable. It's sweet. It's, it's story. It's story. It's tender. It's guitar it's greatness. Yeah. It's just uh the 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 guitar goes to like epic levels of squealiness at the beginning of this song. Before a word is said, the instrumental. Yep. Let's hit a little bit of this. Please. The prelude, if you will. And please do yourself a favor and listen to the full version. Mm-hmm. Don't listen. Okay. The video version is seven minutes. The radio version is five. Do yourself a favor and listen to the full 12 minute version. You need the motorcycle. Yes. From panning right to left. You need it. Yes, listen to this. Which is done on guitar. Which is a guitar. This is a guitar that you're about to hear. And then this beautiful, gorgeous opening piano part comes in. Let's just listen to a little bit of this prelude. I believe that's done with a kill switch on the guitar, a button that just kills all the signal. this yeah it's chaos and magnificence this is the first track on the album too i don't know who the guitarist is yet i'm sure you're going to tell us he's giving me phil grandi vibes Good squealies. I love that lick. Kind of a beat it ish. This is a guy having fun. Somewhere between Phil Grandy and and Orianthe here with the guitar work, you know? Yeah. I would have gone Steve Vai. Okay, a little bit. So we're two minutes in here. A minute now. and fifty seconds before a vocalist, right? Yep. I mean, come on. That's just wow. And it comes in all sensitive. 
Yeah, you know, Meatloaf is like, he's this kind of big, imposing guy, and he's got a voice for days, right? He's got this huge, massive voice, and and yet he he brings it down in such a way that is so tender and soft. To me, I read uh, in, in research that at one point he was offered the lead role in Phantom of the Opera. Um, I can see that. I can 100% see that. Like to me the the Broadway version of Phantom of the Opera is um characterized by the the phantom character being both a menace who is evil, right? And who has impure intentions and also a vulnerable uh outcast who is is bearing his soul, you know, despite being like known that he's going to be a freak. You know what I'm saying? And I think Meatloaf carries both of those equally. I think he would have been perfect to play the Phantom on Broadway or in the what I assume was the or the, the Beast. Or, yes. Well, yeah. So you've got the video version of this song, which is sort of a mishmash of Beauty and the Beast with a Phantom of the Opera vibe. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and he and he totally pulls it off. Right? Absolutely, that's I, how I discovered the song. Did you discover it with the video or on the radio? You remember? I honestly don't remember. Uh, I know I discovered it with the video on VH1. Yeah, saw the video and I was like, "This is the coolest thing." They played it every ten minutes, all the time, I mean, and right. it took seven and it minutes. Took so it was like this, and then Bush, and then back to this again. You know what I mean? <laughs> and then Part Time Lover by Stevie Wonder would find <laughs> its way in there and make me happy. Yeah, um, it, it's just um, everything about this. I mean. Michael Bay directed the video. Good <laughs> like, gracious. Michael Bay. You know what I'm saying? Uh, so it th- they went for epic. Um, but this is very indicative of a Jim Steinman piece. He writes songs that are, when I say they're musical in nature, I mean they are stage musical, you know, in nature. He writes songs that, that that's how they met is at, at you know, uh, they were part of the same stage musical and he writes songs that are that, but that translate into pop songs. Um, are you a fan of sequel albums? This, this is bad out of hell part two. Part two. You know I, what I mean, are I don't mind of, it. Um, I'm trying to think of ones that stand so out. I'll give you some ex- examples. I'm, I'm talking about albums or, or even songs that play off an earlier success, uh, successful release either to, either because the artist feels like they are a sort of a spiritual successor to that album, or I think sometimes it's just to give them notoriety because, hey, you remember that? that one. Remember that? I'm doing this one, I'm about to do it again, right? Mm -hmm. So you've got like, you know, um, you've got the Carter 2. I think we're up to actually the Carter 5 now. Uh, The Marshall Mathers EP 2, Frampton Comes Alive 2, Reload by Metallica. Um, You've got a little bit different, the Johnny Cash American series albums with Rick Rubin. It was American 2, American 3, American, up to American 5. I think that was more of kind of a series anthology, you know, kind of thing. Uh, Stillmatic by Nas, like playing off Illmatic. Um, Metropolis Part 2. That's what Dream I was going to say. The Dream Theater one was the one I could think of. And um, that, was an, that was an artistic choice. Like that was a literal. Well, Metropolis Part 1 was not an album. Right, it was a song. It was song. a song. Yeah. So that's, I didn't know if I could tie that in. I love Metropolis Part 2, and I love Metropolis Part 1. Yeah. Um, and I like, okay, I've got some. I liked Unforgiven 2 yeah. as a song versus a song. Unforgiven. And I liked The Crossroads versus Crossroads by oh. Bone Thugs and Harmony. Oh, wow, that's a good. But those are the only ones I could really think of. That's good. Um, I got, some of them I think are stupid, like Let's Twist Again by Chubby Checker. <laughs> like, yeah. that's obviously like... You know what I mean? All Remember I can the do twist? is twist. Yeah, you know. Uh, Peggy Sue Got Married is, I, I, I get that a little bit more. Um, but yeah, like Confessions Part 2 by Usher. 
Uh, and then, of course, Weird Al's amazing Confessions Part 3, which is hilarious. <laughs> it's like, oh, here's all the stuff that I forgot to leave out of my first two confessions. Like, I also forgot that. You know what I mean? Uh, and it's like, you know, 50 more things that I'm confessing That's to. Awesome. Um, until I give you Part 4 of my confessions. Like, um, But yeah, I, now I, I, something I do really like is when, is when an artist chooses to not split a song in two, but to use two two different sort of takes on a song to tell a story. So like there's this song by Bruce Hornsby called Preacher in the Ring and then it's immediately followed by Preacher in the Ring part 2. But they have a totally different feel, totally different melody, same thematic elements, same story but it's told from a different angle in the second one, you know what I mean? Stuff like that I I um, I really dig. So I think in this case what they were going for was first of all, this was a reunion of Meatloaf with Jim Steinman after they had had a period of not not working together in the eighties, um, and they've gone through a couple of periods where it was more lawsuits than anything. So, but this was a they wanted this to be a successor in the same vein as Bad Out of Hell, which was Meatloaf's. Uh, I mean, it's still his most successful album. As big as this was, mm-hmm. um, Battle of Hell was his his most successful album. It had Paradise by the Dashboard Light, Two Out of Three Ain't Bad. Uh, you know, those his like other iconic songs taken together in one album. Um, and I think they, I think they largely succeeded. I mean, I love this album on the whole. I know you haven't listened much to the, much to the to whole it. album, but I think. Um, like, let me just give you a little taste. This is the next song, okay? okay. This is the next song after, after we close out I Do Anything for Love. This is called Life is a Lemon and I Want My Money Back. <laughs> just listen to it. They do not back down. There's just no quit. The whole album goes like this. Anyway, Guitars sound good. It's it's cool. The whole the whole album is just is just big as day, you know. Um, and I really I really love that. Um, a couple notes here. <clears throat> I thought if this were a Shania Twain song, it would definitely have an exclamation point at the end of the title, <laughs> right? I'd do anything for love, but I won't do that exclamation point. You know what I'm saying? Like, let's go, girls. It would definitely have an exclamation point. Um, <laughs> As we've established, she she loves her some explanation points in explanation points. Is that what I said? Exclamation in, uh, in uh in song titles. So this would definitely have one. Um, I also want to say that I think Meatloaf is the argument against auto tune. Um, his voice just wouldn't work like auto tuned to perfection, mm-hmm. right? There, you listen to him on this song and on on many songs, all over the place. and it's yeah, it's kind of all over the place, mm-hmm. right? <clears throat> but it's but that's not what makes it it's it's perfection or lack of is not what makes it great it's his passion coming out delivery yeah it's his delivery and so yeah there are notes in this that are definitely off they're wavy he's a wavy vocalist yeah, he's got a heavy vibrato and it's and um, it's but, cool and so it's, and sometimes it takes him off pitch you know what i mean but it's part of it's part of his character and it's part I of what makes I guarantee you he sweats like oh yeah sitting eating a sandwich yeah. he's just like pouring yeah sitting eating meatloaf he's yep. there just <laughs> exactly exactly um 
I just have, I don't know. I, I could be here for five hours talking about the song. I love it so much. Um, you want to meet the band while you refresh? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, let's meet the band. Hey, let's meet the band. It's time to meet the band. Hey, mama, let's meet the band. Let's all meet the band. Hey! All right, uh, well, let's meet the band that played on this track. Uh, Kenny Arnoff on drums. Oh. What? I'm a big Kenny Arnoff guy. I love him. Absolutely. The cool thing I think that's neat that Kenny Arnoff played on this is Max Weinberg of Bruce Springsteen played on the whole first album. Okay. Of Meatloaf, the, oh. the Bad Out of Hell first album. So Kenny most noted for being John Mellencamp's drummer. Yeah. Um, grew up playing soccer and skiing. Played drums with everybody. Bob Seger, yeah. Melissa Etheridge, Smashing Pumpkins, big Bon Jovi. studio guy. Played like. Blaze of Glory with Bon Jovi, with Joe Cocker. Was John Fogarty's drummer for 20 years. Um, but don't worry, I didn't talk about him on center field because Fogarty did all his own instruments on there. There you go. So, uh, most recently with Chickenfoot, Avril Lavigne, Alicia Keys, John Legend, Dave, I Try Too Hard, Grohl, um, <laughs> endorsements, Vic Firth Sticks, Tom Drum, Zildjian Cymbals, and Evans Drumheads. This guy's a legend. Can we talk about Chickenfoot for a second? Please, like, please. We, ne- we never get opportunities to talk about Chickenfoot. Talk about groups we like. Yeah. So, Chickenfoot is, is a super group. That was basically built for us. Absolutely. Right? For me and you and Robbie Wade, it's like, they exactly. made chicken foot. Joe Satriani is going to start a, a group. Yeah. Okay. And here's who he's going to – go ahead, Robbie. So, well, no. So you've got – so chicken foot is a super group made up of uh, Joe Satriani, one of the greatest instrumental guitarists in the world, Sammy Hagar, second vocalist for Van Halen, Michael Anthony. JP's favorite vocalist of yeah, Van Halen. Mine too. Um, um, Michael Anthony, original bassist for Van Halen, and two drummers. They've used two different drummers, uh, one being uh, Kenny Arnoff and the other being Chad, Chad Smith, Smith from Red Hot Chili yep. Peppers, um, and, and and doing his best John Bonham. Right? Yeah, like that's who they, they really just wanted John Bonham, but he's dead. So and they Jason got, Bonham is out doing John Bonham Led Zeppelin that's stuff right. right now. And Jason Bonham now plays with Sammy Hagar yep. in The Circle. Uh-huh. So like that's really you know the, what they were going for. So Chicken Foot forms. And uh, it's funny because it's not the best, right? It's not the best album. But it's just so cool that it's it fun. happened. And it's neat they're all together. Yeah. So are you kidding me? Sammy Hagar with Joe Satriani, Joe Satriani and, and Michael, Michael Anthony. Anthony. You know what I'm saying? Like, just give me that. All the Inject that in my veins. I'll take that. You uh-huh. know what I mean? If I, because I know I, I, I'm pretty much resigned to the fact we're not getting new Van Halen anymore. Van Halen's done. I'm pronouncing Van Halen dead. I know, you know, David Lee Roth likes to talk a big game sometimes, but he's, it's not happening anymore. The, a Different Kind of Truth, 2012, that was the end of Van Halen. Live in Tokyo, that was their last release. Um, and so I'll take anything that gets me close. It's it's part of it. That's yeah, right. it's a like chicken. And foot. if it's going to be part of it, and you're going to bring somebody in, bring in Joe Satriani. Yeah, come, come on. on. Yeah. I, anyway, side um, note. Kenny Arnoff on keys. The guy that comes in blazing on keys with yeah. tastiness. Roy J. Bitten. Yeah. Um, the stuff this guy does, man. Most notably, uh, he was in Bruce Springsteen. Bruce Springsteen's E Street Band. And even stayed with them after he dropped the East Street band. Mm-hmm. After it stopped, he stayed with them. He's done stuff with Bob Dylan, Celine Dion, Stevie Nicks, Bonnie Tyler, Nelly Furtado. Uh, on bass, she's uh, she's like a bird. <laughs> she wants to fly away. Yeah. That's right. That's yeah. good. Good call. Don't, she don't know where her home is. No. <laughs> we probably won't do that song. No, but. not happening. Um, on bass, actually, her my favorite thing she ever does was on a song with Awanis called Fotografia. So look at hey. it. It's good crap. <laughs> um, on bass, Steve Buslow, not much other than, uh, he was with Meatloaf and a band called Dead Ringer and Bonnie Tyler. Other than that, I mean, okay. he was Meatloaf's bass player. All right. Pretty good little gig. I wonder if Dead Ringer was a Meatloaf cover band. 
because uh, I think Dead Ringer was the Meatloaf's like 1981 album. Oh, like was the, it? the okay. follow up to Bad Out of Hell, I think, was Dead Ringer. Okay. Either well, that or that was Steinman's follow up. It was okay. somebody. I think it was Dead Ringer. Could Maybe. be Italian there. Yeah. Um, I'll go ahead and talk a little bit about vocals. Let's go with Lorraine Crosby, a.k.a. Yeah. Miss Loud. I know Rob's going to want to talk about her. Let's talk about Lorraine uh, Crosby. Think about who she beat out for the role to sing on this song. Did you look yeah. it up, who yeah. else she beat out? Uh-huh. Cher, Melissa Etheridge, and Bonnie Tyler. So I can hear all three of them singing it. Does yeah. that make sense? Like Absolutely. I can hear either style. Like Cher makes sense. with yep. the. I, just, I can hear all three of them singing it. Yeah. And she's not even credited on the album. She's just credited as Miss Loud. As Mrs. Loud, yeah. Um. So I know you want to talk about her, but just a couple quick things. Dana Patrick plays her part in the video, and so she lip syncs it through the video. Right. She was getting tons of offers to be on other projects because everybody thought she was the one singing it. Yeah. But she was actually just, uh, just, just uh, lip syncing it. Uh, and on tour, Meatloaf took Patty Russo um, to be the one that actually sang it, not yeah. Mrs. Loud or Miss Loud, sorry. And after Patty Russo actually, after with Meatloaf, toured with Trans Siberian Orchestra and uh, and Queen. Um, Crosby, who we're talking about, uh, then went on X Factor, and Simon Cowell told her that she lacked star quality. She didn't have star quality, yeah. And then she later, even uh, just a couple years ago, went on uh, The Voice UK. Okay. Um, She's from the UK, Mm -hmm. and uh, I think Newcastle, and um, she went on The Voice, and they, and nobody chose her. None of the, they were like, they're like, you got a great voice, but like, essentially the same thing without saying it, you know what I mean? They're like, you got a great voice, but. I don't know. I just didn't turn around, you know. And uh, Jesse J was one of the judges, uh, great song podcast alum, and she was like hand on the button, like she was so close. And her family's watching backstage, you know, family and friends and whatever, because like like you said, she was the demo singer for this song. She was never supposed to be the the voice that made it onto the song. She was a guide track for Cher to come in, Melissa Etheridge to come in, Bonnie Tyler to come in, and and. And lay down the real thing. Um, she she had signed a deal. Uh, her band had signed a deal with uh, MCA Records, uh, which was Meatloaf's label. And she happened to be at the studio, getting kind of shown around this day. Jim Steinman was her manager, and uh, and so you know it was just a confluence of things. So she's in the studio, and they're needing this guide vocal laid down and some BGVs laid down. And they're like, hey, can you can you lay this down? And so she steps in and kills it. She did two takes and uh, and lays down this iconic performance. I feel like we should listen to what she does. Yes, on here, find a yes part. absolutely. This is, this is a good time to find a part. And, and let me just say, one of the great injustices done to this song is that the shortened versions, the video version and the uh, radio, radio version, cut her section in half. Okay, and her section builds beautifully, so that by the time it actually does kick everything in, it feels super epic. And they they cut out the middle uh, middle section of it, and it just jumps straight in. Kind of, it does one line quiet, and then jumps right into the big. But we big won't. Section. We'll let you hear all of yeah, it. We're not going to do that. So this is Lorraine Crosby, aka Mrs. Loud, and you'll see why they decided six months later she gets a phone call that says, "Hey, can we just use the vocals that you laid down?" Right, and and that was the last she ever heard of it. Didn't get paid for it, uh, other than maybe what she got, you know, in the studio for just helping out that day. But as far as continuing royalties, royalties. as a featured performer, never happened. Here's here's Lorraine Crosby's uh, performance on this song. But I won't do that. No, I won't do that. you raise me up? Will you help me down? Will you get me right out of this godforsaken town? Will you make it? 
She turned him around. Woman, and you see that it's time to move on. I won't do that. Whew. Pay that lady. Goodness gracious. I mean, I, I'm really shocked actually that at some point Meatloaf hasn't turned around and and as a as an appreciation yeah, here, done take something, something yeah. life changing for her. Yeah, right. Such a huge song. I just would think. You know what I mean? He like he seems to be a kind of a decent guy. You know what I mean? He plays a weird character, but he but uh but I think he's a decent guy. And I would just think he's set, he's not struggling. Do something for this do something for this lady. Come on, mate. Let's <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Let's, Come on, Michael. Let's make this happen. Michael Lee a day. Michael Lee a day, why don't you tell us a little bit about him? We're still we're okay. still meeting the band. We can. Let's get the I'll save him for the I don't know what we'll, we'll jump. Well, let me go next to Rory Dodd, backing okay. vocal. Because he's another backing vocal on here, and you'll know this guy's voice as he does the turnaround bright eyes on the Bonnie Tyler. Uh-huh. He's that guy. Play a little of that wow. on a Total Eclipse of the Heart by Bonnie Tyler. This is how y'all will know Rory Dodd. Um, he sings the turnaround bright eyes part. He's the turnaround guy. He's the turnaround guy. Yeah. He, he's, he's preaching at Pentecostal churches all around the country. <laughs> the turnaround guy. He said if, if Mrs. Loud could get meatloaf to turn around, I'm gonna help uh I'm gonna help turn our bright eyes. eyes. Yeah. Turn around. What's that weird, guy, uh, really what's weird is looking at looking at this album cover, uh Bonnie Tyler's hair. She could use a turnaround in her eyes. <laughs> They're kind of going two different directions, man. I don't know why they did this straight on. Uh, it kind of looks like she has a busted lip, and her <laughs> eyes are kind of going two ways. I feel like they could have done better with that photo. Is all I'm saying. Um, yeah, kind of creeping me out a little bit, honestly. <laughs> right, we'll but that. total eclipse of the heart. Another smash. Another smash written by Jim, Jim Steinman. Steinman. There you go. And uh, you know it when you say it. You go, of course he wrote uh, total eclipse yeah, of the heart. It sounds, it sounds like him. Yep. The Rory's primarily a backing vocalist. Uh, did stuff with James Taylor, Meatloaf, obviously. Air Supply. He he's on a. He's on uh, Making Love Out of Nothing at All. He's also written by Jim, Jim Steinman. Uh, did stuff with Survivor, Celine Dion. I'm sure we'll talk about Jim Steinman here in a minute on that. And Bon Jovi. Uh, guitar. Okay, one of the two guitar players. The guy that shreds, that's pretty good, that's amazing. Guy named Ed, Eddie Martinez. Just a studio cat. He played with David Lee Roth, Run DMC, Robert Palmer, um, and 
blisters this song. Yeah. Um, I think we talked about him before on something because I think I talked about the Robert Palmer song. There's just some section at the end, too, where he's just going ham. It's like, going, going it's like crazy. Everything is going super loud. It, it's actually categorized. There's a, there's a song on this album called Everything Louder Than Everything Else. And that's really happening at <laughs> yeah, the end good. of this song. And he's just going, all, so the, all the things. So good. Guitar players dream. Yeah, right? They're like, just go. Nobody's even, you're not even the, the solo. Just, just you're going to be buried, play anything you want. Yeah, exactly. Um, two guitar players, though, because there is a rhythm guitar player, sure. a guy named Tim Pierce. I think he's a second rhythm guitarist at its finest, and mm. because he does rhythm stuff on Play Crowded House, Don't Dream It's Over. Oh. He's the chord guy on this. Oh, yeah. Everybody grab their their, ca- their guitar, and we can play an E along with the prettiest versions of these chords. Yeah. I mean, this chord work is fantastic. This is like rhythm guy. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. Give me that. Yep. That's Tim Pierce, everybody. Also, does the rhythm part on Black or White, the metal bridge part by Michael Jackson. Really? He's the chords on that. Okay. So we can look up that if you want. And he also played guitar on Jesse's Girl by Rick Springfield. Oh, wow. Yeah, so think about... Solid rhythm player. Rhythm player. Jeez. And in the studio, he played... Rhythm guitar on Iris by Goo Goo Dolls underneath <laughs> everything I had going for me, Rob. Just man, oh. you've been waiting for that all season, That's haven't right. you? I'd You're read, like, I'd read that. I've got like, this trap set so good. <laughs> <laughs> Magnificence in in the waiting. Oh there. boy. So anyway, Tim Pierce on guitar, everybody. Tim Pierce. Uh, backing vocals also <laughs> Todd Rundgren. This yeah. guy's awesome, man. Rockstar in his own right. I saw him with uh, Ringo Starr uh, not too long ago. Biggest hits for him is Hello, It's Me, probably I Saw the Light, Bang on the Drum. Great guitar player, too. I actually heard him on on the bridge coming across. I was listening, not like on a bridge. Like <laughs> right. I was listening to the XM station, The Bridge, which is like oh. where they play all your favorite artists' songs that you aren't your favorite songs. Like they play okay. like Starship, They're Not Gonna Play, We Built the City, yeah. or Nothing's Gonna Stop Us. They play like Miracles. I heard yeah. that all the songs that. That's cool though. Like the Doobie Brothers, they don't play Blackwater or anything. Like I heard Keep On Running, Keep You Running. Yeah. Keep You Running. Coming yeah. across. So it's like they play all the songs that aren't the hits. That's cool. So it was neat. I got to hear Todd coming across. Um, all, okay, now let's talk a little bit about Michael Lee a day. Unless yeah. you had anything you wanted to contribute in that section, I kind of no. I think I think you pretty much on covered everything. Yeah, let's talk about Michael Ma- Lea Day. Born Marvin Lea Day. Yeah, he changed his name to Michael. Why not? Just yeah, why not? Why not? I don't know why. I I might know why not. I wasn't able to track down this actual thing, but he has said. Okay, first of all, we got to preface all of this by saying that Meatloaf grew tired of answering the question. Why do you call yourself Meatloaf? Okay, obviously this is not your real name. How did you get the name Meatloaf? And so he has been known to make up stories because he got tired of answering the question. <laughs> and so he's been known to make up things. So <clears throat> nobody knows for sure, okay, about Meatloaf. And I'll let you tell you may have the no, story no, you're good. how he you're got good. the name. Um, perfect. But uh, so what I'm saying is he's been known to embellish things pr- purposely just to uh, get people an uh, uneven footing, okay? Um, so... But the story he told uh, about changing his name from Marvin to Michael was that there was an ad for Levi's jeans when he was in school, um, a, a radio ad uh, for Levi's jeans, and the the tagline. I can't believe even in the even in the early seventies uh, that a, that a company would have gone with this. But he said that there was an ad that said, "Poor fat Marvin, he can't wear Levi's," and that he got teased 
mercilessly oh my goodness. because he was a big kid. Oh, and yeah. uh, and his name was in was the Marvin. Levi's commercial, oh like poor fat Marvin. And so he said that was one of the worst, most painful things of his life. Yeah. Was, that was that yeah. sort of teasing, um, and brought on by this Levi's ad with his in connection with his name Marvin. I wonder if he heard the commercial first before the teasing came, or if the teasing came and he's like, "Why are they teasing me?" And then went and heard the commercial, right? Which like, would be worse? Yeah, like even worse. Like Levi, come on, Levi's. Levi's. Like, it's bad enough all the kids at school tease me. Levi's is getting in right. on it. National brand is getting in on this. Yeah, so uh, apparently that's one of the. It's that's like the, one of the Kevin McAllister scene in Home Alone. We're like, look what you did, you little jerk! Even <laughs> yeah. Uncle Frank's up in there giving him the business. Exactly, he just sees floating heads floating at heads. night. Like, yeah, yeah. So apparently, that's that's might be the reason that he changed his name from Marvin to Michael. Um, now the name Meatloaf apparently came from the prevailing story. Seems to be that it was a nickname given to him by his football coach. Mm-hmm. That's that what he, I heard. Either that he stepped on his foot and the, and he said, you know, what are you doing, you big sack of meatloaf, or something like that, uh, or that he just began to call him Meatloaf and it just kind of stuck. Uh, saw Kennedy land on November twenty second, nineteen sixty three. Did you see this story? He saw him land. Oh yes, at he Love saw. Field. Yes, he saw him land at Love Field with his buddies. Yeah, and then. Uh, heard about the they act. go ahead. That's right. Well, they were, they were going to go see the. They wanted to go see him somewhere else on mm-hmm. the parade route. Yep. And then on the way, they heard that he had been. Heard that he got shot, so they ran to the hospital. They went to the hospital. Yeah. Crazy. Um, he was also in the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Yeah. Fight Club and Spice World. I'm yeah. on as himself in as Spice himself World. Right? In Spice World, he was yeah. Bob uh, Bob something in in Fight Club. I don't remember. I just remember. Uh, number 96 on Rolling Stone's Greatest Hard Rock Artist of All Time. I think that's pretty fitting. 96 keeps him in the top 100. Yeah, I, I might go higher than that. I think so? If it's, if it's me, I might go higher. Okay. Uh, early bands opened for Janis Joplin, The Who, and did you see that he opened for the Grease Band? He was like the opener for the musicals uh, that they would go around doing it. That was one of his Gross. first gigs. There you go. Rob Big Meatloaf fan. Huge fan of the soundtrack Grease. For those of y'all who want to go back a few, Gross. Uh, few episodes, Rob's super psyched to Gross. go back and relive that. But that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. uh, like Because of his uh, operatic style. Yeah, he was he was in the original company of Hair, mm-hmm. um, and, and, yep. and that's very much his. He's a very atypical rock star. The fact that his music ever got made is a miracle, yeah. right? A minor miracle. Uh, and especially the, 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 the fact that he is still has a career, you know what I'm saying? Like it wasn't just a one-off thing. Like I get it. You know, we all listened to the darkness for a second when they came out with, I believe, <laughs> I believe with a thing, thing called, called love. love right? Gosh, I love that song. Okay. But that was the one thing. The only and thing I know and about very it. few of us are still listening to the darkness, mm-hmm. right? Like they're still out there, but not that many people are I don't, listening to And it. I don't think people, again, not to knock you darkness fans, but not a lot of people would sit through a two hour set of the darkness. Yeah. Like you would go hear them do a three or five song set at a yeah. festival. So like the fact that these, what are essentially, uh, um, you know, stage musical pieces set to, you know, in a pop setting, pop rock uh, setting are still around. It's, it's pretty magical. But yeah, he's still touring. And like even in the year we're recording, not 2019, he broke his collarbone this year, yeah. like on tour, yeah. fell down and broke, broke. So he's still out doing his thing. Huge Yankees fan, big baseball, big baseball fan. guy. I love that. Fan I didn't know that before research. Yeah. That's great. Um, also a pretty, uh, pretty big in the Republican party. Okay. Um, big buddies with George, George Bush. All right. Didn't know that. Mr. Loaf, 
Mr. You know, Meatloaf. So that's the band. Uh, that's the Meet the Band section. Yeah. Hmm. Let's talk a little bit about the album. Uh, this is, uh, like we said, from the album Bad Out of Hell 2, the sort of successor to Bad Out of Hell. Um, it's full of epic tracks like this. Um, it's got only one song, one actual song, uh, that's under five minutes long. It's got seven songs that are longer than six minutes, two songs that are longer than ten minutes. Like, it's not, it, he ain't the it's Beatles. It's not easy listening. Yeah, it's, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's not your standard pop music. It's all, it's like Jim Steinman just has so many feelings. You could listen to Roll to Me six times before you could <laughs> listen to this song one time. You are not kidding, man. Uh, yeah, like, it's, yeah, it's all just big and sprawling and epic like this. Um, and every song is is very, um, yeah, operatic is a good word. It's got that quality to it. It's very heightened emotionally in highs and lows. Roller coaster city. Yeah. Uh, according to songfacts.com, in both the U.S. and the U.K., this song is the longest number one hit ever, uh, time-wise. Uh, it beat the previous record holder, Hey Jude, by the Beatles, by a margin of 47 seconds. Like, Hey Jude, they were like, this is never going to get played, it's too long. Um, but it went number one, and then so did this one and beat it, and it's almost a full minute longer than Hey Jude. And that's just the radio cut, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, it's that's not the 12-minute version. Yeah. Um, like I said, I believe the most criminal, the most criminal cutting for the edit is the is the cutting of Lorraine Crosby's part in the in the middle. Like, hasn't she been through enough? You got to go through and, and cut her thing in half. You know what I mean? Um, I pretty interesting thing here. Meatloaf's first recording deal was with Motown. Did I didn't you, know that. You see this? He uh, he recorded a duet album with a female singer named Sean Stoney Murphy. They put it out put out an album. I think as uh, Stony and Meatloaf, I think is what it was called, um, or what they what they were called together. And uh, they had a single called "What You See Is What You Get," and uh, apparently didn't do too much because nobody's ever heard of Stony and Meatloaf. Um, he was this is incredible. He was the understudy of John Belushi uh, for the National Lampoon stage show Lemmings. He met Ellen Foley there, who sang with him on "Paradise by the Dashboard Light" and "Bad Out of Hell." Uh, side note, this led to me watching John Belushi's cover of Joe Cocker's version of A oh, Little yeah. Help from oh, My I Friends. Th- and I I saw it when I was a kid, mm-hmm. but I watched it again last night, and I was astonished by his vocal impersonation. Oh, yeah, it's good. Astonished. It's Let's perfect. listen to just a few seconds of this. This is John Belushi doing Joe Cocker. And, of course, he's doing over-the-top, you know, um, body movement stuff. Too, yeah, yeah. And it's it's funny or whatever, but his vocal is dead on. Take a listen. What would you do if I sang? Had to. Incredible. So good. And now, if you're watching, he's really doing John Mayer face wise. You know what I mean? Stank face. It's going over the top to be funny about Joe Cocker, but he's just making John Mayer face. I mean, dude, dead on. I, I was I was so blown away. Uh, but apparently, Meatloaf and, and John Belushi were, were good friends back out of the day. Um, as of at least 2014, the original Bad Out of Hell album was one of only two albums to have never fallen off the UK top 200 albums. Chart. Never, wow, never. That's impressive. I mean, I'm. Thi- what's the other one? I couldn't find it, but I'm thinking the other one is probably Dark Side of the Moon. That would make sense. I believe that is it. Um, 
At one time, I just have a bunch of random stuff. I, I did this is one of those. I just did way too much research, and so I'm just going to hit it till I'm done. Uh, at one time, Meatloaf went to church uh, Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. He told Q Magazine that he still maintains a faith. He says, "Quote: My grandfather was a minister, and I was born into a very religious family. There's a Bible in my hotel room. I picked it up and read some the other night. It's still a big part of my life. People don't expect it because I get on stage and I swear I'm a rocker, but that's not me. That's a character." Uh, if I'm cast in a film, I always refuse for my character to say, quote, GD. Uh, I tell them I'm not going to say it. I'll say, damn, but not the other thing. That's where I draw the line. Everything else is open. Um, so that's something I didn't, I didn't know about him. Go win the loss, Meatloaf. Brian, yeah. go win the loss, Meatloaf. Let's, let's get, this, get this thing done. Meatloaf and Carmen on tour together. <laughs> play, play in the municipal auditorium. Uh, and then he comes back during Carmen's set to do all the devil parts. Like, you <laughs> know what I'm saying? The revival in the land. Somebody's messing with the stone! <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. Full costume and everything. Can you imagine Meatloaf? Dude, that's uh, hilarious. Yes. Incredible. That was uh, awesome. <laughs> I love that. Uh, he was in the original production. <laughs> oh, so good. Uh, like I said, he was in the original production of Hair, which is a famous, you know, uh, 60s, like, hippie musical. Um, but he declined to be in the nude scene. There's famously a, a scene where, like, the most of the entire cast goes... Uh, goes sans clothing in hair, uh, but he declined to be in the nude scene. He said, "You got an extra twelve fifty to be in the nude scene, and I didn't need an extra twelve fifty. <laughs> so there you go. Um, okay, this is a this is a fascinating story, and this is pretty fresh news uh, as far as this just happened this year. So I'm I'm pretty excited to get to talk about this because uh, I feel like it hasn't been talked about enough. It was a big deal for like half a day, and then I feel like it's kind of just disappeared. Um, Bitcoin, <laughs> <laughs> yeah." Oh, man, I wish I'd invest in Bitcoin. Jeez Louise. Uh, okay, so Meatloaf is one of over 700 artists affected by a 2008 fire on the Universal Studios backlot. Have you heard about this fire? Uh-uh. Uh-uh. Okay, so this was a, a blaze that destroyed three acres of property, including a building that held master tapes for artists ranging from Soundgarden to Eminem, John Coltrane to Aretha Franklin. Holy cow. Priceless masters for many of these artists' finest works were lost in the fire, but Universal Music Group covered it up until it was exposed by the New York Times earlier this year. Man. Um, I remember reading an interview with uh, Counting Crows lead singer Adam Duritz a couple years back where he said that Counting Crows had really – they were talking to him about the uh, commemorating the 20th anniversary of uh, August and everything after. And he said, really, we were, we were barely a band at that point. We'd only known each other a couple months. What we really wanted to commemorate was the 20th anniversary of Recovering the Satellites, their second album. Um, but that uh, Universal UMG, the mu- music group, had told them that the tapes had been like misplaced or mislabeled or something. Uh, well, it turns out they were burned to ash. So, and they were just covering it up. Goodness gracious. Um, so that sucks. Uh, and there's ongoing like litigation and lawsuits. Uh, and, and UMG, uh, to be fair, UMG claims that far fewer artists and masters were lost to the fire than was reported and that backups had been found for almost all of them. Um, so I, I guess time and court documents will really reveal the truth there because they're trying to save face by saying, no, 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 no. We had, we found backups for most of this and most of it was fine. But I'm talking about, I looked down the list and just to scroll through the list and not even read it took some time. You know what I'm saying? Over like 750 plus artists had lost original masters, documents. Uh, you know, we're talking like stuff where you would go back and you would find 
you know, okay, here's Aretha Franklin's Aretha Franklin's recording of Respect. Oh, and here's three alternate takes. You know what I'm saying? That kind of stuff. That Scratch you just, paper where they jotted down charts and yeah, stuff, I'm sure. I mean, like, just so cool. priceless stuff. Yeah. And so uh, Soundgarden is really leading a charge to to uh, to try and – like a class action lawsuit. Um, Tom Petty uh, – Tom Petty's estate was involved. Um, you know, just like huge names. If my Eric Davis folder that holds all my great song podcast <laughs> notes, priceless. Yeah, priceless, priceless. Exactly. Yeah, it'd be like if that burned. Yeah, <laughs> man. Um, wow. I've got four things he won't do. Did you write those down? I four things he won't do. Yeah. No. Yeah. What won't What won't he do? Forget the way you feel right now. Oh. Forgive myself if we don't go all the way tonight. Uh-huh, do yeah. it better than I do it with you, and yeah. stop bringing me of you every night of my life. Yeah, those are the four things that Mister Loaf will not do. Yeah, that's right. So there was, I, I guess, like people said they didn't understand. He got asked for a long time. What is that? What is that? I won't do that. But I feel like it's pretty self-explanatory. And so did Jim Steinman. He said, like. This is self-explanatory, <laughs> but Meatloaf said he told him before he came out, "This is going to confuse this people." This is going to be, uh, but they put it out anyway. Yeah, but like uh, there was a he, he did a uh, VH1 Storytellers episode, which is great. I wish they would bring that kind of thing back, um, where you know they would, you know performers would sing the songs and then tell the stories behind him. It was a great song podcast before the great song podcast was Absolutely. cool, right? Okay, let's not let's not pretend we've with the, the real artists the on there. Yeah, exactly. Not just us, you know, and Joey Abbott doing voices, right? Um, <laughs> So, but he he did this thing on on VH1 Storytellers where he brought in a blackboard and he flipped it over and he had written a like he's like breaking down the sentence, you know what I mean? But I won't do that, drawing an arrow back to the previous line and all these things, you know. And and yeah, it's and it's like at the end, uh, you know, Lorraine Crosby singing, you know, uh, you know, sooner or later you'll be running around on me, you know, blah blah. blah. And he's saying, I won't do that, I won't do that. I'll do anything for love, but I won't do, you know that and so um that was the sort of perceived confusion i never <laughs> like it makes perfect sense i guess yeah but anyway i won't do what uh what are some things that you won't do are there, are there any things that that swim with sharks okay scared to death of sharks okay um and keeping with the fear thing i would not spend a night in one of those haunted houses that you can stay overnight have you heard really? about those there's one in kentucky that was a mental institution yeah that you have to if you survive the night or whatnot. That's the goal, and it's just an all night haunted house thing. I couldn't okay. do that. Really? Couldn't cheer for Alabama. There's no way I could <laughs> okay, cheer for yeah. the not the group Alabama. <laughs> I'm a huge Vols <laughs> fan. Could not cheer uh, for the Crimson Tide. Okay, Alabama. All right. I uh, I've got. Um, I wouldn't for love. I would not eat tongue of any kind. Okay, I was gonna go the food route. Tongue would be the yeah, one that, ca- like cow tongue. Go- no, no thing. I can't. There's no way I can see. Me and Rob smelled some cheese in the fridge next door. Yeah, goodness gracious, real rank. Um, I couldn't root for the Washington Nationals. Okay, so similar concept. Similar one. Yeah, I don't think I could stop watching Thirty Rock. Okay, couldn't I, stop something. Yeah. Okay, that's. Oh, I didn't even think about going that angle. That's yeah. good. I don't think. I don't think I could give that one up. I think I think it's going to stay with me forever. So. I'm trying to think of what food. I Sorry to my wife time. if you're listening. You're yeah, not. She doesn't good. listen. That was good. He loves you, Crystal. I love you too. <laughs> she Kayla. doesn't care. She's <laughs> she's never going to hear this. <laughs> she hates the show. Uh, she can't wait for us to quit. <laughs> Sad times. But we will never, never. We me. would do anything for love, <laughs> but we won't. We won't give up the great song. Podcast. We won't do that, man. Awesome. We won't do that. Uh, I tell you what, we are about to give up though. We're about to give up season four. Oh, man. Drawn to a close. Oh, let me let me touch on one thing. Did you see, have you seen the comparison? I think, I thought we hinted on this before. The Celine Dion video to It's All Coming Back to Me Now. 
Which was written by Jim Steinman. Written by Jim Steinman. The video is so similar. To this. To this one. Ooh. It's like a female thing, but she is, I think, supposed to play the character of Wendy from Peter Pan or something okay. like that. Yeah. But the, the video quality looks the same. I was going to, we already talked a little bit on Mrs. Le- or Miss Loud. I was going to see, do you think this song would be the number one song ever if Celine Dion sang the other part? Because of the star power that she brings with, wow. you know, obviously she hit it big with the stupid Titanic song, which is yeah. obviously the worst song ever, but carried a ton of weight. Would it have gotten a jump? She would have killed it. I mean, I probably would have hated it. Yeah. But, uh. Well, we wouldn't have hated it at the time, but I would, looking back, be like, man, I wish Celine Dion wasn't singing on that. Yeah. Because I really like this song. Here's, here's my, here's my question. Because, yeah, it obviously would have been huge. I don't know if it would, it would have been huger than this. Huger, okay. Uh, but. Here's, I think my real question pertaining to that particular section is, did I have a crush on Lorraine Crosby's voice? <laughs> or Dana Patrick. Or did I have a crush on Dana Patrick? <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, yeah. And, and the voice just played into it. Oh, man, that's you know a good I mean? question. That's um, funny. Because there was definitely something happening, Yeah, uh, but I don't know who caused it. <laughs> it's a team you know? effort. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, yeah, Wow. Be like, hey, Mariah Carey, can you put on this Tiffany Amber Thiessen mask? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, Man, I do want justice for Lorraine Crosby. Yeah, I want to see her get her good comeuppance. You know, we are team Miss Loud. Yeah, absolutely, Miss Loud. Uh, Go, go find her. She's 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 still out there. uh, I guess touring is maybe not a great word, but she's performing still uh, with with a band and you know whatever, and just she's still trying to make it. Like you know that sucks. This should have been her ticket. Yeah, you and, should be uh, set. You shouldn't be out having to work. It should be you should be singing for fun. Right. You sh- yeah. Exactly. She should have gotten yeah quite a bit of money. She's a big part of this song. And we believe in you. And we believe in you, people. Thank you for the support. Season Man. four. You know what? It I can't. Flew by. I can't believe season four is over. Goodness gracious. Wow. We'll miss right, you guys. Listen, we're we'll gonna take a short break as we do soon. between seasons, but season five will be on the way sooner than you know it. We'll be back after the holidays, after the new year, after you've recovered from your from your New Year's party, um, you know, then we'll be here for you. Always. When the rain starts to pour, you know, uh, your cat is dead, you're broke, your love life's DOA. <laughs> right. Yeah, we're here. That's right. Um, seriously, I can't believe we've gotten to do this for four seasons now. Amazing. We are creeping up on a milestone, and I'm not going to say what it is, oh, man. but if you've been following the show, gracious, you've been counting, coming. we're creeping up on a big milestone. It's a number. And I'm going to go ahead and tell you, over the off-season, I'm shooting for the moon, okay? I'm shooting for the moon for this milestone coming up, and doggone it, if I don't get it, I'm going to be disappointed, <laughs> but I'm going to shoot for it anyway. Um but yeah, we got hopefully lots more surprises coming up for you in season five. Uh, you guys are amazing. Thanks for listening every week, sending us encouraging messages, telling us we're funny or telling us we, you know, we somehow we messed that up, brightened up your day. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Telling us, oh no, Chicago didn't suck live. Uh-huh. How do you know, Chicago Jim? <laughs> were you there when JP was there? Exactly. If JP says Chicago sucked, they then Chicago know. sucked. We, okay? we know music. That's right. The one negative review we've ever gotten. That's right. Said Thank that, you for guys for the support. Uh, we we really do appreciate you guys. Absolutely. Uh, as always, hit us up in the off season at the facebook.com slash groups slash great song pod, or just search great songs and the great people who love them greatly. Hit us on Twitter and Instagram at great song pod, or as always find all the archives, all the episodes you've missed, get yourself a t-shirt uh, at great song com, And we'll be back sooner than you know it. We blow you all kisses. Mwah, 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 mwah. Uh, thanks to Meatloaf 
Thanks to Lorraine Crosby. Thanks to Kenny Arnoff, Joe Satriani. That's right. Uh, you know, everybody. Thanks to the special guests we've had. Uh, oh, yeah. Great interviews this season. It's special guests. One. It's just always, always fun. I uh, can't wait to do it again. Let's, let's, let's do it again in season we'll five. We'll keep raising we? the bar. Absolutely. We're going to raise it so high, it's going to be like a, a bird. Our like, arms will be it's tired. It's like Nelly Furtado. It's going to be. She keeps a, coming back in. Yeah. Is, who is. Wow. I got to go listen to some Nelly Furtado. <laughs> All right. We'll see you guys in season five. Until then, I'm Rob. I'm JP. Go listen to some music. <laughs>